Hello, 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 and welcome to the Jock Mailbag episode 14, heading into round 15. The buys are over. We should have fairly complete teams. Joining me, as he usually does, is Clarky. How are you? Very, very good. I'm glad to be free and clear of that terrible round 14. Yes, let's never speak of that round ever again. <laughs> and we've also got Al Payton from the Herald Sun joining us. How are you? I'm great, guys. Thank you. Yes, very, very happy to be past uh, the round 14 buy and all the buys and never have to worry about them again, at least until next year. And just uh, wrapped to be part of the show. Enjoy listening every week and the, uh, been an avid listener of the, the Jock Reynolds universe for uh, many, many years. So great to be on board. You run it with, with Tim Mitchell. Um, Patch wants to know if there's any dirt to go on him. No, unfortunately, that's I can't help you with that much. Tim is just a very nice, uh, clean living guy, so no real dirt. I've got about a thousand screenshots from him of uh, different iterations of his Supercoach team, but uh, that's about all I can give you. It's my yeah, favourite part about Tim. I think all of his uh, all of his KFC Supercoach dirt is already on Twitter when he's <laughs> got the thinking emoji out and going, maybe I could trade Clayton Oliver this week, and we're like, Tim, no, please. <laughs> Yeah, we sort of, we're quite, it's interesting because we operate on it quite differently. Like I think I tend to have a lot of different permutations going on in my head and it takes me sort of through the week to really think it through and then I sort of try and come down to one or two um, possibilities and decide which way I'm going to go. Whereas Tim just like, as soon as the lockout's over, he's like screenshotting 10 different versions of his team and um, just, yeah, putting it out there for uh, for the world to see. We absolutely love that. I love he's, <laughs> I always say that he's, uh, is exactly what my brain is doing, but in a public <laughs> forum and I respect it. <laughs> Al, before we get into the questions, we always ask people what their favorite footy moment of the weekend was. So we'll start with you being our guest. What was your favorite footy moment from round 14? Oh, I'm a big uh, Tigers man. So uh, we had the buy. So I had, unfortunately, another week to stew on our, uh, defeat to the Eagles and that uh, eight or ten meter pass, whatever it was, from Liam Ryan at the end there. So um, still not quite over that, but um, I mean, geez, I mean, hard to go past the uh, the doggies game and um, a couple of the, the close finishes. Really enjoyed the the Hawthorne Essendon game. I mean, Jake Stringer's uh, is fun to watch, isn't he? Even if you're uh, you know obviously not a Bombers man, but um, when he's up and about, he's pretty captivating. Yeah, he had a massive game, didn't he? Uh sort of made people regret trading in Carl Langford because he was really playing the role that Carl Langford was supposed to play. Yeah, or trading in Zach Merritt and making him captain, which is uh, what I did. But, um, yeah, we're moving on from the boys. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Clarky, what was your favourite footy moment? Oh, look, it had to be the uh, the Gary Rowan kick after the mm-hmm. siren. I think that was that was actually just such a fun game of football to watch, I think, for the most part. Um I'm not a hu- not huge on Geelong or the Western Bulldogs, but I think both really great teams and they put on a really great contest. It's a shame that it was at the start of the round. So started off at a high and then it only sort of went down from there. It was a weird round, wasn't it? With so few games. Yeah, it just sort of yeah. seemed to just plot along at a pretty slow pace. It's like, oh, what's coming up next? Okay, I've got six hours until Gold Coast play. <laughs> so, yeah, it'd be nice to have nine games again. I think the weirdest thing for me was realizing how little I pay attention to football when my team isn't actually playing. Like I went through my tips. I probably backflipped on about three tips all throughout the week leading up to the round. And I was cheering on the Bulldogs all the way up until the Gary Rowan kick. And then I was like, oh, well, that's another Friday night tip wrong. And then I realized that I actually had tipped Geelong after all. So good call. 
Yeah. Well, I think that was, yeah, Suns-Port Adelaide. I think that was the first Gold Coast game I've actually sat and watched from start to finish for the whole season. So that's how starved I was. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and, we, and, and we know how they're going. And it was basically, I had one player from Supercoach in it, and that was Lockie Jones. So, and, he in, and he injured in his hamstring. So, yeah. yeah. I, find, I find Gold Coast to be one of those clubs, like, I... Like recently, in the past couple of years, I really, really like them as a team, and like everything that seems to come from the culture, a lot of the young talent. But they, they're just it, it'd be hard to be a supporter. <laughs> I don't, I don't. Well, worse, yeah, I was kind of yeah admiring there. There were some people with Gold Coast sort of t-shirts and jumpers on, sitting uh, watching that game, and I thought, yeah, you'd have to be pretty hardcore. Which so you know, props to them. But yes, yeah, well. Pretty tough going for the Suns. I don't know. Don't know what's happening. You know, where they're going to be in a year or two. It's always the second half of the year that they seem to drop off. Mm. Anyway, let's get back into Supercoach. Let's yes. jump into the questions. Matthew Pitt has asked, "Can we trust Callum Coleman Jones to at least match Isaac Heaney's output for the rest of the year if it means turning Heaney into a Bontempelli rather than a Coleman Jones into a Nick Hind type?" I mean, if you can get Marks Bontempelli, and I think you do it. Yeah, I don't think that's like it's trusting Coleman Jones to match Isaac Heaney is. I mean, yeah, I would absolutely because Isaac Heaney is either going to score thirty or he's going to score a hundred and thirty. That seems to be sort of the way it goes. He seems to keep himself out of the game or at least from scoring consistently massively. So I think Coleman Jones has been pretty consistent so far. Um, I and you know, I've got him and not Heaney, so I'm kind of hoping. Fingers crossed it works out. Yeah, same. And I mean, yeah, I think you're right. That like Coleman Jones is actually probably a less stressful player to own because um, I mean, Richmond plays Gold Coast. We're talking about the Suns in a couple of weeks, and it's a game where you know he could kick a bag and maybe get us 120 would be awesome. But um, he just seems to be consistently serving up those 80 point scores, which is you know you'll take that, especially at that price. Um, you know, obviously uh, clunking a couple of marks and kicking some goals, but it was really great to see in that Eagles game that he got. Um, down the line in that last quarter and was taking a couple of big pack marks as well. So for that sort of get out kick. So um, that's something Richmond hasn't really had for uh, a while. So, yeah, I think um, he's going to be a really solid performer. It's going to be a tricky one for us when we have to decide, you know, do you upgrade him or do you push him to the bench um, and have him sort of sitting there as maybe try and loophole him on potentially as an F7. He could be really handy for the rest of the year. And I think Richmond would like to try and keep playing him even when Tom Lynch comes back, which might not be too far away. Yeah, I think Damien Hardwick said that he wanted to play the three tools up forward even when Tom Lynch is available. So that so whether that's Chole or Callum Coleman-Jones, you hope it's Callum Coleman-Jones, but um, good signs if you want to keep him, I guess. Yeah, and but yeah, bringing in Bond, if he, if he can do it and it's not going to be insanely detrimental to you in future rounds, uh, assuming that you have more than three trades left like, uh, like myself... <laughs> Um, then yeah, it's it's an absolute no brainer. I think Bontempelli is the number one scorer for a reason, and it's because he's one of the best footballers in the AFL. I think the best, yeah, at the moment. Um, yeah, looking at his scores the other day, he's gone. His lowest score since round three is one hundred and seven, and apart from that, the next lowest is one twenty-seven. So, yeah, God, I wish and he's I just like. Him. He's sort of, in a way, he hasn't had a, like a 200-point game, but he's had a heap of games at a 140, 150. So, and his break-even's, what, like uh, 109. So, he's, you know, I mean, obviously it's a crazy price, nearly 700K. but um, And the run home for the Dogs is pretty, like a couple of stressful games in there. 
Um, I would say maybe against um, Port Adelaide and Melbourne on the run home, but got North, Sydney, Gold Coast, and Hawthorne um, between now and round 23. I know Supercoach doesn't run necessarily that long, but it's for a draw for an elite midfielder. Get him now. Don't regret it. And yeah, with most of us having pretty much finished our teams, there's not many people who, you know, even if you've got one midfield spot, people are looking at maybe a Lockie Neal or, you know, we'll talk probably about some more value options. There's not many people who have 700K sitting around who can get Bond. So he's not, I mean, I wouldn't call him a pod, but he's not in as many teams as he should be, that's for sure. So if you've got him, he's going to be a great advantage against a lot of your head-to-head opponents. I think his inconsistency between his big scores and his low scores in previous years sort of scared people off starting him. And that's why he's not in as as many teams as he should be, but he's the top scorer at the moment. And now people are talking about how he's locked in for their 2022 side, even before this season's even over. So good signs for him. And if you can afford him, I'd say bring him in. Yeah, that sounds, sounds like a good move to me. Another man who has had a big game recently is Scott Pendlebury against your mob. Clarky uh, scored. Uh, Went into the bye with 167. Uh, hasn't had the best year, but he's he's had a good super coach past. He hasn't really had a good few years lately. But uh, the Surf420 has asked if Scott Pendlebury is worth considering as a cheap uh, M8 option. I would say definitely yes. Like, yeah, as you say, we know what Pendles can do. He's, for about the last 10, 12, 13 years, he's averaged over 100 and just been, um, you know, dependable as we used to know him, just always so reliable. And obviously he's, he's got a bit older, he's not quite at that level anymore. But if you look at him in his scoring this year, he opened the year with three tons in a row and then he was scoring 90s, 94, 108, 96. So it's really only a patch of four or five games where he had some really poor scores, a 43 and a 50, 73. That That's where the, uh, the bottom's really fallen out of his uh, scoring. And then he's gone 108, 167, obviously massive. Um, on Queen's birthday, but that it's you know sort of been revealed that in those games he was playing basically injured and totally out of position. Like they were just trying to find a spot for him, put him in the in the half back line or at half forward or something like that, just to sort of get him through games because he wasn't one hundred percent fit. And presumably he's he's um, back to full fitness now. So yeah, I wouldn't be too worried about you know I wouldn't be expecting those kind of numbers at all again for the rest of the year. So I think you could back him into average around one hundred um, from here on in. Um, interesting to see how the pies go with the new coach and how things. Uh, uh, play out for them, but um, yeah, you imagine Pendlebury's going to be in the thick of it, whatever they do, and yeah, four hundred twenty-four k—that's a pretty good price. Look, uh, I agree with everything that you've just said, uh, and it's ab- you're absolutely correct. He is a great option. He has history. He has a better role now, but I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I I can only quantify that purely in the fact that it's just that. It's that 167 where I'm like, yeah, that's great. But that's the only reason people, I think it's that it brings the eye back to him. And it's kind of, you want him to continue you know, roughly around that form. I think around 100 is realistic as an end of season average. But I think even at 424, I'd probably pay, like I would arguably pay up a little bit more for somebody who's maybe a riskier option. That's just me personally. Um like, you know, if you don't have Dustin Martin, Dustin Martin, I think at 470, that's 50K more. You know, mm. you've got guys like Cunnington, if you can find another 100K, who I think has probably a better run of consistent form. And that's hundreds every week, which is worth that little bit more. I know it's a cheap M8 option, but really it's it's one really good score with a lot of 
decent, you know, you'd accept it kind of performances. So you may even be better holding your money just a little bit longer and see who comes home strong. If you were prescient enough to bring him in before that game, he was 382k <laughs> before that Melbourne game. Yeah. Uh, we don't talk about the Melbourne game. <laughs> we, we, we beat the bye. That's all that matters. <laughs> And if you have enough trades left over, you could bring him in as a stepping stone because his break-even is minus 29. Wow, yeah. When was the last time Penrose would have had a negative break-even? <laughs> yeah, so, I, as I said, I, <laughs> I I precede all my statements with a – it's it's a heart thing. My heart is telling me that it's it's not the value that you think it's going to be. But, look, it's two good games, and there could definitely be more with a new coach, new structure for Collingwood, um, and hopefully they can get up a bit. Based on that, yeah, take your point. You're probably going to get scores, you know, 105. Expect that, not 165. Yeah, we like to invest in our own content here. And Patch has asked a question. He took a gamble on Bailey Smith. It hasn't paid off. He wants to know: if, Is it worth trading him out with only five trades left and one spot left to upgrade? And who do you trade him to? Scott Pendlebury. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They must be similar price. How much is Bailey's worth? Just look at him up. Uh, he is 382, 383. Oh, wow. Well, he could have done it last week, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Two weeks ago. <laughs> it's it sounds bad because I know Patch's team and uh, I think he's willing to throw some Hail Marys. So I would say upgrade yeah, in Patch. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's so, so we're saying he's got one spot left. So he's got another rookie somewhere on the field that also needs to be upgraded. Is that where he's coming from? Yeah. Yeah, that's what he's saying. That's a bit like me. Like I could turn, you know, Danaher into Dangerfield, but then I've still got a rookie. You know, am I better off trying to find the money to actually turn a rookie into Dangerfield rather than getting rid of a, a mid-pricer that's, you know, annoying me? I suppose it depends on who that rookie is as well. And I think mm. that's probably like a big conversation that we kind of had with uh, Coleman Jones, where it's guys like James Jordan, I think, falls in that category as well, um, where these guys are av- like, they're scoring like 80s, 90s, like decent scores that you'd probably take if he was still a rookie um, that was in your team. Sorry, I'm doing air quotes in a <laughs> in an audio medium, which is great. Because um, it's a question that I've had as well, where it's if I have James Jordan, he's averaging 90s, Jack Viney's left to come in, is he worth holding? And then maybe just upgrading like a Joe Danaher, who's a bit more up and down to some consistency. Um, I would say with five trades left, I would do it personally. I think- yeah, I think so. And I think if you want to cheat the system, you could say that if your last rookie is Coleman Jones, you don't have to upgrade him just yet and may not even have to upgrade him at all. So it might be a trade that you can save yourself down the track if you're happy to sit him at F6 or loop him with whoever your F7 is throughout the rest of the season. Because I know people are, are limited on trades and are now focusing on either upgrading their poor performing premiums rather than upgrading their rookies or waiting for their rookies to fatten up. And so they're holding on to the likes of their Callum Coleman-Jones and their James Jordans and even their Trent Biancos. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, as uh, Clarky said, that, yeah, it comes down to who are those rookies that you've got on field. If it forces you to field a CCJ or a Jordan, you're probably okay. Um, if it's a Bianco or a, um, you know, a James Madden type, you you know, you a lot. You know, that's a bit of a different kettle of fish because you know you might be getting forty points, and then you're sort of a hundred, you know, eighty points behind someone else who's got a, a primo in that spot. Um, and then, yeah, if it's someone like Tom Highmore, yeah, I don't know, <laughs> he sort of could be anywhere in between. 
I think the other problem as well with Bailey Smith is that he is in a really awkward price where you need more like you need more cash to upgrade him than say it would be like a one up one down where you develop that cash through the multiple trades. So at 380, looking at the options around there, say 50k either side, you've got like Adam Chera, who is another inconsistent, I think would be fair to say, option, but does have potential. Um, slightly more potential than Bailey Smith, or you could even go, you know, a little bit further down, you know, to guys like LDUs, put a few, put it together a few decent scores if you want someone who is just as awful but maybe has a better <laughs> ceiling. Um, so it's a really awkward price, I feel, for your patch. Yeah, yeah, I think if you're going to do it, you have to go up and get someone really good. Like, there's not much point swapping him to someone who's going to be just as frustrating. You've got to spend upwards of 500k, yeah. I would say. Yeah, so yeah, it's going to cost you a bit. Well, we'll stick with the cheap options because Mitch Duncan is someone that if you own him, you have to trade him out because he's out for probably the rest of the home and away season at the very least with a PCL injury. Um, who's the best Mitch Duncan replacement? That's a question from Paul Moran. He's got a, about 600K to spend, so he wants the best option under 600K, but we should probably start from closer to Mitch Duncan's price at 475k for those who don't have the luxury of 125k in the bank. So, I guess the cheapest option, we spoke about him before, Scott Pendlebury, and that even nets you about 50k. Otherwise, it's only another it's otherwise it's only about another 50 60k to get to Christian Petrarca. Uh, Ollie Wines is literally sitting right on 600k at 599. Then you've got Tom Mitchell, who's finding some form. Uh, he's 564K. Uh, Al, who else have you got on Well, when mind? I saw this question originally, I thought, um, didn't know there was that much extra money in the bank. And I suppose it's worth mentioning these guys anyway, because others who have uh, Mitch Duncan, which you'd be really stiff, because he was averaging, I think, 119 in the first 10 rounds or something. Like, he was having a fantastic season. Then he copped a concussion, then he comes back, then he's injured in the first, you know, 10 minutes of the game. So... Um, really unlucky, but just uh, pencil him in as one to watch when the, the prices come out for next year. I think he be, um, could be uh, nicely discounted for us. But um, if you just don't have any money in the bank at all and you can just do a side swap, um, yeah, we mentioned Pendles. Um, amazingly, Patrick Cripps is almost exactly the same price and he's um, doesn't have the excuse of getting concussed and, and doing injuries in the first minutes of games to explain why he's scoring so badly. So, um, yeah, I probably wouldn't really recommend that. It's just kind of an interesting thing to point out. They're basically the same price. And, yeah, Dusty, as um, Clarky mentioned, is around that same um, price as well, which I was quite surprised by. So, yeah, if you, I mean, probably most of us already have him. So, um, but if you don't, he'd be definitely one to get because, um, yeah, I think now this is around the time of year when Dusty starts cranking up and, and uh, gearing up for the, the business end of the season and the Tigers need to, need to win some games to at least make sure they make the finals and maybe try and push for a top four spot. Um, the other name that I noticed was Zach Bailey, 451K, a couple of hundreds in the last couple of weeks. I mean, when he plays well, he looks so good, but I guess he's still inconsistent and he can, you know, drop a, a 60 or something at the same time. So um, there's a couple of really cheap ones. And the other guys, yeah, because last week we were talking a lot about those 540, 560 sort of K players. And you know, we mentioned a few of them already, Tim, Tom Mitchell, um, Josh Kelly's good, but you're probably a bit wary of him this week given he's got a bit of an ankle worry. Um, Sam Walsh is the other one who lost a bit of money on the weekend after copying that real hard Matt DeBoer tag. So 542k for a guy who's averaging sort of 110 is a great price. The worry is he does have to play DeBoer again in round 23. 
So do you want to bring in a guy who's probably going to get a heavy tag in the you know, league grand final if you make it that far? I guess the other player we haven't mentioned yet is his teammate in Patrick Dangerfield, who has come all the way down to 515K. Mm. He does have a break even of 138, so he could lose more money again. And he hasn't cracked the, the ton yet this year. So there's every chance that he comes down below 500K, but obviously you've got to move Mitch Duncan on now. And I th- mm. there's, and honestly, I wouldn't hate it if you traded Mitch Duncan in and, I mean, Patrick Dangerfield in for Mitch Duncan and copped the money loss. What are your guys' thoughts on Danger? Because I'm a bit torn on this one that, like, he scored, yeah, 66 in his first game back and then he was on target for something similar, not a lot more than that. Um, late in that Bulldogs game. And then he was absolutely unbelievable in the last five minutes and scored about 30 points, had two or three really you know, big contested ball wins, um, setting up scores and things that um, champion data really rewarded. So he ends up with a 96. Is that a true, you know, does that tell you, oh my goodness, Danger's back, um, you know, he's about to explode? Or is that me and his score was sort of slightly inflated and we should probably give him a couple more weeks? Personally, with his high break-even, uh, 139 that Damo just mentioned, I'd be very tempted to just wait uh, and let him bottom out just because I don't think he's going to score 140 um, in the coming weeks. I think he's probably good for, you know, maybe 100 average coming home. But I personally, I don't trust it until I see it with danger. It's it's a bit risky. I was already burnt. I started him this year. Um and he got that suspension very early on, and that was kind of just big, bad juju for me. So I think maybe give it another week, and he's going to go sub 500K, you know, with 139 break even. So I would be more tempted to take the risk at, you know, 480 or, you know, 490, whatever it ends up being, um, just for that for that kind of scoring. I, yeah, I think he's someone who is very Dusty-esque, isn't it? Where it's he's there for the big moments, but then you're kind of going, well, or Clayton Oliver even, where it's like he's been on two points for like a whole quarter and then now he's on 77. What happened <laughs> in the last 20 minutes that I've missed? Yeah, Al, be... We'll move on to the next question because I think we've answered that one pretty comprehensively. I actually have, uh, sorry, just to just before we move on from that question. So I have two probably questions for you guys in relation to those, uh, those kind of around Mitch Duncan prices. Do you think at all Brandon Parfit might benefit from Mitch Duncan's absence? Or would it be more likely someone like Danger? Because Brandon Parfit's only 468, scored a 92 against the Dogs. And we know that Brandon Parfit has has definitely had a history of some decent scores um, for a very cheap price. And I believe Taylor Adams is looking to test to possibly make a return Mm -hmm. soon, which A, may impact someone like Pendlebury, but B could be someone that you can take a risk on 4k cheaper than Mitch Duncan another sideways. I mean, I haven't really paid attention to the Collingwood injury list or Collingwood this year at all, really, but it's <laughs> fair, but I'm pretty sure Taylor Adams has had three hamstring injuries this year already, which has kept him out for two, three weeks at a, at a time. Uh, I think maybe he missed one week with one of them, two weeks with another, and then this one's he's, he's missed three weeks because of the buy. Um, so I would cross him off my list pretty much straight away. Fair. The thing about Brandon Parfit is Jack McRae scored less than a hundred for the first time this year uh, on, on the Friday night against Geelong, and that's because Brandon Parfit was minding him at the stoppages. Yeah, I know. So. That too. 
Chris, and we know Chris Scott loves to play around with his players' positions, especially seeing what they can do towards the finals. And so my worry with Brandon Parfit is if he's given tagging roles more often, will he be able to uh, keep up this scoring if you do trade him in at this cheap price? Yeah, probably it probably shows that I don't know Geelong uh, all that well, but it's kind of it's Parfit or O'Connor really who are going to get the the big tagging jobs if my understanding of their selections are correct. Um, but I think, yeah, look, I think Parfit is probably a sneaky option for me. A um, couple scores over 100 this year uh, in some easier games than them, but hasn't really dipped below. He's got 160 and a 58. So, I mean, it's almost worth a risk, but definitely I think there could be some upside to that. Yeah, I don't hate that. But yeah, no, I'm the same with uh, Taylor Adams. Can't, can't go near him with just the injuries. Look, ever since we had uh, Stevie from the Draft Doctors on, he's now coined my new favourite supercoach phrase, which is you're injured until you're not, um, <laughs> which has really been sort of flipping my switch on. Mm, maybe I will take a try. Oh, you made, just how many trades did you say you have? Yeah, just, just some food for thought, I think, is someone to keep an eye on. All right, we'll move on to the next question now. Uh, Al, what rank are you? Are you? Are you, are you uh, do I have to look it up? I'm just outside the top 4K. Uh, what's my actual? I'll get the exact number for you. Hang on. Which is about 2,000 better than I was before the start of the buys. 4,343. So that's the highest I've been all year. Okay. So I guess it's a good time to come on. But uh, it's been a, been a frustrating season. I'm 5,600. Clarky, what are you? Uh, 6,208 after round 14, lest we never speak of it again. Okay, so we're, we're all around the same place. The evil one wants to know how far behind can you be and still have a reasonable expectation to finish in the top 100? I have no expectation of that. <laughs> no. Look, we, we definitely need somebody who is better than maths. Uh, so I don't know, Damo, if you can get Staddy or Azza on the phone. But looking at it, right, so the person who is ranked 100th at the moment has a total points of 30,515. So really, it means you have to outscore there. They're averaging 2180 around. Uh, so without the exact maths on that, that would mean that you need to out-average them significantly over the next... What was their total? So this is place 101. Uh, shout yeah. out to BC, uh, Ben, mm-hmm. if you're listening. Good on you, mate. Um, 30,515 points. There. Well, I've got yeah. 29,340. So I'm I th- I over 1,000 like- points behind. So it's like you've got to make up 100 points a week. Yeah, I feel like if you're within the top 10K, you're probably going to be around. You can definitely be around that mark, but you would need the miracle run. <laughs> to get there, right? Yeah, I mean, like top top one thousand is maybe a dream that I'm still not quite giving up on, but I think top one hundred is probably pushing it. <laughs> yeah, I'm I I'm no hope of getting to top one hundred. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm any hope of getting to the top one thousand after the way my team's looking well, and the, the yeah, trades that I've got left. The other question as well is, where's your team sitting? Like, like if you've had a few bad weeks, but your team's mostly complete, you've got some guys who are really competent. It's yeah, it's totally possible. If you've fluffed it, you've had just really hard luck. Like uh, you know, a lot of us, we've just been really short on trades. You've made a lot of sideways. You maybe have been too aggressive, and they've not paid off. 
then you're kind of in a position that's unrecoverable. And I think you, looking at your own team, you'll know which one you are um, and where you're sort of sitting. I think it's, yeah, it's still manageable, I would say, moonshot if you're anywhere close to 10K. But if you're in that top five to eight, I think, you know, hey, look, it's in the gods, right? It's in the footy fantasy footy gods. It's an interesting one, though, that we're going to have to wrestle with in probably the next few weeks for people like, I guess you guys are probably similar to me, that you're really playing for rank. Um, but, you know, you want to win your leagues at the same time. Um, and it's getting to that sort of crucial point where we're going to sort of, you know, do I absolutely go for broke and use, you know, go down to having only one or two trades left to get, you know, a full primo team? Or do I just pump the brakes a tiny bit and just hang on to those one or two trades, you know, live with Patrick Cripps at M8 for another month and see where I'm placed, um, you know, coming into the finals because, you know, probably realizing I'm not going to make the top 100. I've cancelled that out already. Probably not going to make the top 1,000, you know, in a couple more weeks. I can probably rule that out and then maybe, yeah, sort of realistically see where I'm placed because I know last year I got knocked out in the, the first week of the finals at, uh, in our main league and it, was, um, it wasn't great. So I don't want to repeat that again. I'm looking at my leagues now and I'm not I'm not doing all right. <laughs> Actually no, you know, I'm around about the same price in all of them. So <laughs> I think if you're winning your if you're doing well overall or if you're improving your overall, you should be winning your leagues really anyway. I think they're kind of hand in hand for the most part. Maybe you're a little bit more aggressive if you play for like a cash league or you know, whatever you're doing with your mates. Um, hopefully you got one of those Jock Reynolds discounted Supercoach rings at the start of the season. And our, I'm sure the planning for Supercoach 2022 has already started. Me and Clarky have devised a question to ask you on this week. Can you reveal any of the potential changes for Supercoach 2022? Uh, who's listening to this podcast? No, I probably can't give too much away because I don't think anything's um, totally sort of set in stone as yet, but there has been some discussions, as uh, you alluded to. And, yeah, I think I can probably say that just, um, you know, Supercoach players should stay tuned and, and there might be some some changes next year. Supercoach hasn't really changed the fundamentals of the game for quite a few years now. We I think we got rid of the R4 position a few years ago. Um, uh, there were a few little changes like that, but yeah, it's pretty much stayed the same. So I think um, we're looking to maybe try and do a couple of things to um, you know make the game hopefully more fun to play and you know maybe add a bit more flexibility. Um, certainly, I know leagues is one thing that has been looked at to um, try and free those up a bit to um, make them easier and, and more open to people. So that's one thing. But even within the you know the game itself, there should be a, a couple of things that I think uh, people will enjoy. You know, we've we've we do like to. Um, you know, keep in tune with what the, the community is doing and, and there's lots of heaps of great suggestions um, and, you know, we can't necessarily do all of them and sometimes it's just, the, you know, what's practical and what's sort of physically possible. I know during the buys um, when games were getting moved around and stuff, there was some some uh, people who were very keen to try and make some pretty radical moves at very short notice and sometimes there's just limitations in, you know, what you can actually implement um, in the back end of the game that uh, doesn't break the whole thing. But um, yeah, we should be able to do some some stuff that I think people will really enjoy. I think uh, I think I speak for all of us when I say you know you guys are doing a great job. You know, we've managed last year and this year with rapid change on a on a dime, and uh, you know it's been been a very good couple of years. Uh, but yeah, I think AFLW Supercoach should definitely be a thing next year. That's a good good point. Yeah, I know you're. you're we talked about Tim Mitchell earlier. He's a big uh, champion of that one. He really wants to get that up and running. So uh, we'll see how we go. <laughs> All right. 
Al, you're on Twitter at Al Superfooty. People can go and follow you there. Thanks for coming on. Again, no, thank you guys. It was great. And Kalaki, people know where you are. You're at Quantum JC on Twitter. Go and follow him. That's me. And then you can follow me at Demo SC. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>